Good to be here. Um, <laughs> there's something about being around a bunch of dads in the, same, in the same life stage. I was looking on the patio and one kid's melting down. A kid Who's got the kid with the orange jacket that was booking it for the worship center, right? I mean, we had this like unspoken communication of, you know, like this kid's having a blowout, this kid's melting down, and yet we're like, dude, I get it, I understand. And it's a good stage, but there's also this like, thread of stress that's always underneath you know we ask each other how you doing and man I'm doing good as my eyes kind of twitching a little bit as I say it and the the good thing about this community this dad game community is honestly you guys could be anywhere it's Saturday morning not a whole lot of football on so those that you're here it's not as good as during football season but you're here so that's good but honestly the fact that you're here investing in being a better dad is huge culture would tell you completely different that you don't need to be here, that you should do stuff for yourself. So the fact that you're here is awesome. I mean, if our wives could see us, right? I mean, I'm kind of hoping for bounty points for being here, but that's, I mean, that's not really why I'm here. But honestly, being with you guys encourages me, and I've actually missed quite a few of these, and I think that's why Tim had me speak here so I couldn't miss. Because uh, he knows, <laughs> so he knows, he knows how much I need something like this. And the truth is, any of you guys could be up here speaking. I mean, with this amount of dads, the amount of pain, wisdom, experience. I mean, it's off the charts. And the real secret sauce of dad game is not anything I'm going to say. It's the conversations you guys are going to have around your tables. And so when Tim asked me to speak, it was like quite a while ago. If I were to do a dad joke, it'd be last decade is actually when he asked me. But the, yeah, it's fantastic. The, uh, but honestly, I was thinking, what have I learned about being a dad? What am I learning? What am I passionate about? And it's not necessarily my story of, of having an awesome dad role model, but I've been lucky to have some mentors that are older now that have had long, faithful marriages. Their kids have since moved out and are older, yet they still want to hang out with them, and they've got great relationships with their kids. And I think the common theme that I've seen is that they've been intentionally focused on what matters, um, intentional in their marriage, intentional with their kids, and focus on the key things in life. And as I was kind of first thinking about our time together and how I would share, I was going to have a perfect, perfect bullet point list of how to live a balanced, focused life. And it was going to sound awesome. And it probably would have looked like I had my stuff together, which at the time, I think if you asked me, um, I thought I did. I thought I had my stuff together. But, you know, as, as life can happen, and especially being a dad and a husband, things can change pretty quickly. And uh, last couple months, uh, we've been going through some stuff as, as, uh, as a family, just my wife and kids. We've been going through some stuff. I mean, some kind of real heavy stuff that I hadn't experienced. And, and I'd imagine with the amount of dads here, there's probably some guys going through some pretty heavy stuff right now too. And I think because I respect all of you as men and fathers and husbands, I wanted to be authentic when I share with you today. So instead of having this perfect like BuzzFeed list of five key indicators of a balanced life, um, I thought I'd just share a few things that have helped me, um, a couple of things that have encouraged me. I've had some friends encourage me. I've had scripture encourage me. There's people that have, whether had podcasts or books, they don't even know it, but they've encouraged me. And so my hope is that I could share some of that with you guys and at the very least spark some conversation around your table or, or maybe give you a thought and a, and a direction for some of the stuff you're going through. Does that work? Yep. All right. So when I think about a balanced life, when I started picturing a balanced life, you know, I picture a scale, and the scale's holding up all the big things in my life. My faith, my marriage, my kids, my careers, my passions, my hobbies, recreations, and those things. And so when I see that scale, I picture myself as the scale holding all these things up. 
And I think the biggest thing I had to learn the last couple months is that I'm not the scale. Jesus is the scale holding all these big things up. And if you hear one thing this morning, is that you are not the scale holding up all the big things in your life, and you were not designed to be. But, it's pretty hard to admit, right? But we know it. I mean, if you've been around church at all, you know these things, right? I mean, let me, raise your hand if you've heard this verse as I read it. But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weakness, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Have you guys heard that one? Anyone here heard that? So we know this, right? But as dads, I mean, Christmas Eve, I was up till almost 3 a.m. building a dollhouse because I didn't really want to read the directions. It was a nightmare. But we're dads, right? We, we're not going to admit it. We're going to fix it. We're going to work to make it right. And if we don't know how to fix it, we're not going to tell anyone. We're just going to kind of try to figure it out until it either blows up or we get lucky. So honestly, this, this stage of life is hard enough when things are going good, right? There's no room for error. And you start putting a little bit more weight on the bar, and it's crushing. And so I realized the first thing I had to do was admit that I couldn't do this. I couldn't hold this up. And, and if I'm being completely honest, I was terrified and terrified that I didn't have the strength to actually see this through and carry it off. And, and God, in his mercy, reminded me that, yeah, you're not, you're not equipped to carry this all and hold this all. And in fact, I've been holding you up this whole time and all your stuff. But me as a guy and a dad, that was, that was hard to come to grips with. But as I did, I was freed up to then actually look at where I was at and what was going on in my family rather than trying to pretend that I could hold it all up. And so at that point, I realized that, hey, I'm a family man. My family comes first. And we all say that, right? People ask, yeah, I'm a family man. I'm a dad. Family comes first. And it's pretty easy to say when things are going good. But when things start kind of going sideways or there's some tough stuff to deal with, we realize we have this line of different responsibilities beyond our family that we start have to figure out how do we create space to actually be present for our family when they need us. Because it's hard, right? I mean, we have work, we have jobs, we have relationships, we have friends, we have a lot of people that depend on us outside of our family. So how do we actually clarify and create space to love and care for our family? And I think a lot of my friends would say that I've been in a season of no, um, but the truth is I've actually been in a season of yes. And it's a season of saying yes to things that are important, which then kind of dictate what I say no to. And it comes from this idea that I read in a book. The book was called Essentialism, and the author is Gregory McEwen. Um, and it's this idea that if it's not a for sure yes, then it's a for sure no. If it's not 100% yes, then it's 100% no. And the, the way that kind of played out in my life is I had to define what was a for sure yes which meant a lot of these 50% yeses and different maybes, and a lot of them were good stuff, kind of had to become no's. And that was hard to reconcile because I'm a guy, and a lot of these things, my identity is wrapped up in a lot of these things. And you feel like if you're a guy and you start releasing these things, then you're taking some of your identity away. Um, so it kind of plays out like this. My wife and kids, obviously 100% yes. Wife, 100% yes. Kids, 100% yes, 1B, right? I mean, that's going to dictate a lot of other no's. So then I look at, okay, work. Work is, yes, it's still a yes. It's still a yes for a couple reasons. If I don't work, don't pay the mortgage, and we don't eat. It's pretty simple. But also, there's some people that depend on me in the workplace to keep it together and be committed to my work. 
at the expense of my family? No, because that is a main yes, and I've defined that, but it's still important. Then it starts getting a little tougher. Ministry has been kind of a, a big part of my life and a big part of my story, and if I'm being honest, I was good at a lot of things. And actually, I probably got more praise in the ministry space than I got at home being a dad and a husband. And so when you start looking at letting go of some of these feel-good hits of stuff that you're actually doing good, and they are good things, and people are praising you for them, and to say no to them for the stuff that really matters at the end of my life, that was hard to reconcile. But instead of figuring out what I was saying no to, figuring out what I was saying yes to made that a lot easier. And so I had to look at, hey, what, what has God really placed a burden on me for? And really clarify, what is my yes in the ministry space? What has he called me to in this specific season? And by defining that, a lot of stuff had to fall off. And there's stuff that I've missed that I've wanted to be at. People that I love serving with and all these things that I've had to step away from. And with a smile on my face, say, yeah, I can't make it. When it actually kind of hurts and I want to be there. Yet, keeping the real yeses in mind made it easier. And then it gets even a little murkier, right? Because you have relationships and you have friends and you have different recreations and passions that you have. And how do you define that? Because, I mean, like any sporting event thing that you would invite me to, I'd want to be at. Now, does that mean because it's a good, awesome thing I should be at it? Probably not. Yet, there's been seasons in my life where I would have said yes to it all. It sounds awesome. Let's do it. But I had to define who I wanted to spend my time with, who was a complete yes to have as a relationships and friends and spending those times with, especially in this season. And seasons are going to change. And, and even you look at older guys and it looks like they're just living on a sandals resort, right? Their kids are in college and they're living the dream, but they got a different set of problems in that time when they might have to define other yeses. But for me, really setting up what were the key yeses in my life to focus on made it easier to see what the no's were, even if they were some good things. Doing good, enjoyable, fun things with friends and people that I liked, I had to say no to and it hurt. But in this season of focusing on my family and my wife and kids was paramount. And so what that did by defining my yes is I started creating space to be a better father, be a better husband, be a better boss, be a better friend in these key relationships in my life. And so it, it reminded me of a, let me pull it up here. We don't have slides. This is kind of the B, B team here that you're getting today. So I'm pretty analog here. Let's see. So... Um, it reminded me of a, a quote I read in a book, and the book is actually called Margin um, by author Richard Swenson, and it goes like this. We must have some room to breathe. We need freedom to think and permission to heal. Our relationships are being starved to death by velocity. No one has the time to listen, let alone love. Our children lay wounded on the ground, run over by our high-speed good intentions. Is God now pro-exhaustion? Doesn't he lead people besides still waters anymore? Who plundered those wide open spaces of the past? And how can we get them back? There are no fallow lands for our emotions to lie down and rest in. And I remember the first time I read that, and I, I mean, I, honestly, I felt wounded by that and completely convicted in the sense that, I mean, we're in Orange County. Things are fast paced. We need to produce. We need to do things. If we're even unintentionally keeping up with the Joneses, there's so many options for us to say yes to and do and deals and opportunities and friendships and experiences. Yet, a bunch of diluted 50% yeses, it's a zero-sum game because we're saying no to a few key things by filling up our life with these other things. And so... Really, this practice of saying yes to the key things, which defines some good no's, was super growing for me. And, you know, I'm not, I haven't gotten it all right. I'm still figuring it out. I'm still end up looking at my calendar like, how did that even get on my calendar? Yet, 
I go to it and I fill up and I'm getting a little bit better each month. And one of the verses that I cling to um, during this time, and I kind of have to reread myself, reread to myself, is, is this one, Philippians 3, 12, 14. Not that I've already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. And so, yeah, I'm still a work in progress. I'm still figuring it out. Um, But if at the end of my life, whether it's tomorrow or 60 years from now, I can say I was a great dad and I was a great husband, that means I focus on the things that were right. And honestly, a lot of decisions will be made because I focus on those things. I'm going to get it wrong along the way. I'm also going to have a lot of fun. This isn't an idea of, you know, like sacrificing and stopping yourself from doing good things. It's about defining what is good. Because as I said before, as as guys, it's like if we yield in this area, then man, we're going to lose some of our manhood and some of our identity by yielding to this. So I got to cling to this as it's important to me. But what I found as I've released these things, that I actually found more freedom to be who God designed me to be and actually discovered myself more and is able to be a better version of myself because it wasn't cluttered with all these kind of lukewarm yeses, even if they were good things. And so my encouragement to you guys is to start defining what are some of the key things in your life? What are those things that if, if you didn't have tomorrow, you would do everything you could do to get it back? And so I'm going to close this in prayer, and then I'm going to ask two discussion questions for your tables. Um, and yeah. Thanks, guys. God, thank you so much for this time to be with these dads. Honestly, I'm encouraged to see um, all of them here, and and we could all learn so much from each other. God, I pray that we can look at where you have us and what you have for us, God, and that we would look towards our families as the main thing, God. We pray that you would have just kind mercy on us as as we shed some of the things that maybe aren't as important to focus on the good things. God, I pray that these discussions lead to action, God. I pray that that the men here come back to their homes as better dads, God. And I thank you for the time to be able to share, God. And I pray that you continue to grow me and make me a better dad. In Jesus' name.